the Flushing Girl from Flushing, the nanny named Fran. Oh, Mr. Sheffield. Uh, Miss Fine. Welcome back to another exciting episode of Oh, Mr. Sheffield, a podcast in which two people who are friends talk about The Nanny, which is a sitcom from the 90s because we're old. I am Shondi Pasquale here with... The slightly younger Toria Sheffield. That's right. We are far apart in age, but not far enough that it matters to anyone <laughs> under the age of 25. Uh, this week, we are talking about season two, episode 17, The Will. This episode mm-hmm. was directed by a new guy, Randy Bennett. Randy yep, Bennett. that's right. Randy mm-hmm. Bennett. We've never heard that name before. Uh, it had a story by Robbie Schwartz. And a teleplay by Fran and Peter. Um, so, Toria, what was this episode? Do you want us to do your uh, quick summary? Sure, sure. This is the episode where Fran finds out that Mr. Sheffield is putting her in his will and yes. then mistake and then mistakenly thinks he's dying. <laughs> yes. Uh, yes. And so there's some real shenanigans that happen because of that misunderstanding. It's a real classic, like, you know mistaken i mean mistaken identity for last of for lack of better term but it's a real like oops <laughs> classic yes, mix-up episode yes it's a classic mix-up where then a lot of hijinks happen because fran is under the impression that mr sheffield is you know imminently going to depart <laughs> this earth and well we actually so we start this episode uh as we often do at the breakfast table and it, we start off by learning that like mr sheffield is scheduled for a physical uh that day um, and then we also very quickly established the B and C plot, um, and that's that, you know, the B plot is Gracie, little Gracie has a friend coming over, and, you know, a lot is made of that because usually yes. her friends are imaginary, <laughs> yes. and um, this this doesn't really ever come into play later, but we do know that Maggie is working on a family uh, tree for school, um, and it did make me laugh uh, that you find out that Mr. Sheffield is is the one of the only members of his family to not have a um title in front of his name and she's like she's like except for uncle bill oh but he thinks he's a leprechaun yeah. so so only mr sheffield and his insane brother um do not have official titles which by family. the way i now would like to pitch a new spin-off show for this <laughs> And it's about the uncle who thinks he's a leprechaun. Like <laughs> Fran has to go live with him to like caretake for him or something. Or like maybe Fran and Mr. Sheffield both like end up having to like go live or like he moves in with them. <laughs> I, I think that's so whimsical. That really <laughs> captured. I was like, ooh, I like that. I'd actually be interested to dig into what – um. You know, I know that they go for gold at the end of rainbows, but I don't know what else they do in like sort of Irish um, Celtic lore. Like, are they are they mischievous? Yeah, are they're they- mischievous. They protect their gold. They uh, slide around on rainbows. They, you know, they I love mean, us children's cereal. Yeah, they also live internal lives, Toria. You know, like every living creature, they, <sighs> they have all have their own emotions. <laughs> There's a universe within every leprechaun. <laughs> they go through divorce. <laughs> There's, they suffer from seasonal affective disorder. I'm sure they some do. of them do. They do. I mean, not all of them. Listen, they're not a monolith, you know? You're, you're right. You're Everyone's right. different. <laughs> but anyway, that's neither here nor there. We're oh, at man. the breakfast t- table. Mr. Sheffield's yeah. going to have a physical, uh, and Gracie has a little friend coming over. 
And um, in the next scene, it's Niles and Cece are in Mr. Sheffield's office. And Niles is basically torturing Cece by saying, like, I know something you don't know. And at first, she pretends not to care until he reveals that he knows that Nanny Fine is in Mr. Sheffield's will. And it's it's actually not as, you know, salacious as you think. He's leaving her the children. Um, right. But not, not to be like they're um custodians but i think he says like should anything happen to me i want her to continue on as their nanny like wherever they end up being um and he says he found that out while quote cleaning the extension phone yes (laughs) which is very funny (laughs) which means he was just listening to a call with (laughs) mr sheffield and his lawyer yeah yeah um and so so that's established um and then um mr sheffield comes in and he declares that doug emerson who is Andrew Lloyd Webber's biggest investor is coming over for dinner. And I Googled this. I For a second, I was like, is Doug Everson a real theater guy in New York? No, it's just a made-up character. Um, but he's coming over for dinner, and um, Mr. Sheffield is you know, hoping to woo him away from um, Andrew Lloyd Webber. Um, right. And there was also this scene that follows – that at first I thought was a little disappointing, but then but then I thought about it. I'm like, no, it kind of makes sense. Um, this is when uh, Mr. Sheffield sits – Fran down and tells her that he would like her to stay on as the children's nanny after he dies. And he would like to make it official by her signing this document. And at first I thought that was going to be like a really big moving moment, you know, and I was kind of like looking forward to, you know, her being like, of course they will. Or like, what does this mean for us? Or it kind of like makes her more part of the family, but she kind of very much blows past it. Um, And I thought, well, I thought that was a missed opportunity until I realized no, Fran is the type of person that hates talking about like will death stuff. She's basically mm-hmm. like, I don't want to talk about this. Like almost like it's bad luck or bad juju to even like be yeah. making these plans. It so is. that's why she kind of just, you know, uh, doesn't sit down and really like let that breathe. Mm-hmm. Um, but she, she does at first think he's actually proposing to her because when he first fra- uh, phrases it, he sits down and goes and takes her hands and he goes, Miss Fine, I have a very important proposal. Um, and yeah, that was played for a few laughs, but it, it didn't funny. it didn't really pay off into, you know, it wasn't no. like a big plot point. <laughs> no. No, and it never she never like followed up on like, hey man, <laughs> maybe you just watch the way you word things. <laughs> or like and they were never like, oh, don't we think it's very uncomfortable that she was like willing to say yes? <laughs> like, no. We also have uh-oh. at one point she says, I'll never doubt Jeannie Dixon again in that scene. Mm-hmm. And Who- I had to look this up. But did I you did know too. I looked was? it up. Yeah, no, I, 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 couldn't, I didn't remember this person, but apparently she was a very famous American psychic. <laughs> yes, a very famous American psychic who I think got most famous for predicting the assassination of JFK. Um, oh, in 19- well, I mean, I- anyone could have predicted that. <laughs> I mean, come on. <laughs> uh, who didn't want, the, want that guy to <laughs> Exactly. But so it, I think it was like 1956 or 57, she said a um, – a blonde, blue-eyed, handsome man will be elected president in 1960, and he will be assassinated in 1963. <laughs> also not a shocker. She's like, a white guy is going to get elected president. <laughs> <laughs> well, but to be fair, most presidents were not handsome up until that point. That's true. Um, That's true. So- then we get basically into the meat of the episode, which I would say happened probably about 12 minutes into a 22-minute well- episode. We see Niles is cooking, and we establish that he's cooking a special menu for the guest who has heart disease. And mm-hmm. then we get a scene where Fran walks into the kitchen and sees the menu and thinks it's Mr. Sheffield's menu from his doctor visit. And then Gracie is upset because 
her friend is weirdly into Brighton. Well, they're they're sitting around having this tea party, which I laughed because Fran is so comfortable at this children's tea party. Like it's as if she's sitting around gabbing with a couple of her girls from Flushing, uh, and basically right. giving them life advice. And Brighton walks in, and the little friend Erica sees him, and we see how she perceives him, which is like a cool guy in a leather jacket on a motorcycle. Yes. And she instantly becomes obsessed and infatuated and starts following him around. Okay, but also just remember, listeners, that when she, when Erica sees Brighton and has like a a fantasy about him, he is fully clothed, wearing like a biker jacket, leaning against a motorcycle. Mm -hmm. That's how she fantasizes that's important to remember for, for later for the i know yeah. where you're going with the button yeah. on this oh, man. Uh, but also i did like the line where um gracie's gracie's really upset and she's like ew like i can't believe he's into she's into brighton and fran goes <laughs> honey to you he's just an obnoxious brother but to your friends he's 79 pounds of pure stud muffin <laughs> which is like very very true i think like for um siblings that uh, are close in age there was sure. always like you know crushing on the older siblings sure all friends. my little sister's friends had a crush on me at some point <laughs> sure they did they loved me sure. oh they loved me <laughs> okay but so yes we established that which does kind of it's definitely going to come back for something we'll talk about later i know where you're yes. going with that <laughs> um okay so then we get this beat where fran thinks mr sheffield is dying she sees the menu and she's like Oh no, he's got heart disease and he has to eat all these special foods. And it adds up. He's been talking about the will. He had his physical. Yes. And then (laughs) she grabs, is that Gracie or Maggie? It's Gracie, right? Yeah. No, it's Maggie, the eldest. All right. It's Maggie. Maggie walks in and she just turns around and grabs her and she sings, Nothing's Gonna Harm You from Sweetie Todd, which I got a very big kick out of. (laughs) She's like, like, Nothing's Gonna Harm You, not by the Uh, like rubs her back yeah. <laughs> like to a totally bewildered Maggie yes. um but yeah so you're right that that comes relatively late like the crux of the episode is this mm-hmm. big misunderstanding that's going to unfold um which of course is going to be played up for big comedic beats because this big investor is coming over for dinner um yeah and um, in fact, uh, Fran is so worked up over this, but that she asked Val, uh, who was there earlier in the day to come all the way back, um, to sort of give her some moral support for the evening. And at one point, Fran even goes, she's like, and then, you know, they're going to ship me off to, to live with his sister in, in England, which is <laughs> the way that England, she's, how yeah. does she, it's England. I can't even England. say it the way Fran does. Um, and she goes, and you know, they're closer to my side of the family anyway. They may look British, but they think Yiddish. I wrote this down too. I thought that was a great oh. line. Also, when Val walks in, she's like, Val, I'm so sorry you had to come all the way back here in the middle of the night. And Val goes, how hard is it to wait for two trains, a bus, and then cut through Central Park at night? Yeah, she says it completely <laughs> earnestly. She's like, yeah. not a problem. She's yeah, like, so, so, she's so, just that friend. And, well, and Central Park, cutting through Central Park at night in the 90s was like a very risky. It's so scary. She's a tough, but so, tough bra yeah. that, Val. And then, also, we skipped over – so there's right before Val comes over is when we have the sort of second setup of like Gracie is upset that Erica is into Brighton. And there's this weird scene where they – she goes – she's like complaining to Fran and then Fran is like, 
Gracie like follows Brayden into the bathroom and he has to like shoo her out. And then he goes in the bathroom and <gasps> Fran says, Brayden's going to be in the bathroom for a while. My bra magazine from Sears is in there. And yeah. <laughs> this is not the first time that they have made a joke about like Brayden fucking yanks it to, <laughs> it's so gross. <laughs> to, to it's Sears. So gross. I mean, I guess I guess the thing is he's like a, he's like twelve now. It's yeah. it's I'm sure it Listen, I'm sure it's accurate. It's just I'm sure it's just it's weird. Just, it still feels like they don't know what to do with the character because there's also a moment in in a, in a coming up in the next episode where he is basically played as like a mini Alex P. Keaton from Family Ties, which is also something we've tagged them on before, where he's like, I'm a young Republican. And you're like, what is this character? Like, <laughs> no, I, I'm not that. No, 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 I'm not bothered by it. But I do. Th- I, I, I'm actually okay. I think, you know, he, he sometimes has his redeeming moments and sometimes he's obnoxious 12 year old boy i yeah I, i've grown to i've grown at peace right. with brighton recently all right if you and say to me, so to me it was way less his little young republicanisms and it was way more his you know seeming to have pop culture references that clearly the writers thought were funny that no 12 year old would have that actually irks me much more and it, it seems fairly accurate to me that this little 12 year old rich boy in manhattan would be he's like a young uh, you know, republican yeah, uh, obsessed sure. with masturbation <laughs> I, think, I think obsessed is unfair. I think there is an age when children are very hormonal, when teens and tweens are hormonal. Sure. Um, but you got to figure, I'm, we're not seeing every every day of their lives. <laughs> at, at most, we're seeing 27 days of 365 days of the year. And of those 27 that we're privy to, he's masturbated multiple times. Well, and then um, – because it's right before dinner, you know, and Fran's like, Val, like, thank you for coming over. She's like, I'm just going to have to be strong uh, for this dinner. We cut to the dinner party. Fran is sobbing. Cece literally throws a roll at her head. <laughs> um, and then that's where we get this scene. It's just very, you know, it's very sitcom Yeah, uh-huh. it's a lot, of, a lot of physical comedy. Yes. And the, the whole premise of this, of this scene is um, Fran – thinks that Mr. Sheffield is the one who needs to adhere to this strict diet. So every time that uh, Niles, you know, puts salt on Mr. Sheffield's plate or anything heavy with cream or anything that would be heart healthy, she finds a way to divert it off his plate and like put it on the other guy's plate. And the other guy's sort of this big hefty guy who's just, you know, shoveling food in his mouth basically. And he's the one who actually shouldn't be eating this stuff. And it literally culminates with, um, it was so gross, actually. Uh, Niles is pouring hollandaise sauce onto Mr. <laughs> Sheffield's plate. Fran catches it in her hands and then claims that it, it's very good moisturizer for her dry skin, <laughs> which it just was so gross. It was like a it's, creamy, thick sauce. It's a hollandaise. Yeah, it's a hollandaise and, sauce. And so, and, you know, Mr. Sheffield is getting like increasingly agitated with her behavior to the point where, and this is where I was like, hmm, this seems a little ungrounded. He's like, Miss Fine, may I have a word with you? And she's like, uh, of course. And so she, they both stand up and he throws her over his shoulder and carries her out into the kitchen, which I think was almost far more obviously disruptive and crazy than anything she was doing. 
Yeah. Because she was at least sort of covering up her uh, her strange behavior by making weird excuses for it. Yes. But um, I was like a little much. But so he then they get into the kitchen and, you know, they seem to he's like, you know, you've gone insane. Has that, you know, all that hair dye finally seeped through into your brain. And then it comes out that like she thinks he is dying and has a heart problem and they clear it up and they, you know, have a good laugh about it. Um, and she goes, she goes, it's like Shakespeare once said, these are the days of our lives. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, like the sands of time, these are the days of our lives. Yeah. And they, you know, but the thing is the, the little, they realize how funny it is that, uh, she's been diverting all this unhealthy food to the actually unhealthy guy's plate. At which point we cut to an ambulance in a hospital. <laughs> um, he's clearly uh, been taken to the ER, but we yeah. find out he's going to be fine. Um, yeah. And that's, you know, and that's how it gets resolved. And then the, uh, the real little button, as uh, Sean alluded to earlier, well, she, is- she signs the, the will. Fran does sign. She ends up signing the will and yes. getting, getting the, you know, making it official. And I will say cute little moment in this episode when they're at the hospital, then the doctor comes out and tells them that, you know, this guy's going to be fine. He just had like gas basically. Um, and they start, you know, putting on Fran and Mr. Sheffield start putting on their coats to go back to the house. And the way they do it, it's so familiar and it's so, you know, couple like. Like he yeah. helps her with her coat. And then when she buttons up her coat, she picks up his scarf and wraps it around his neck, like just as they're casually talking. Um, and it was really funny because she was just like, oh, you know, I'm so glad this is all behind us. And she's like, she's like, when we get home, I, I want to sign that paper right away. And then she goes, wait a second, what if I go first? <laughs> he looks at her and he goes, then I'll still keep them because they're, they're my, my children, <laughs> which was a very funny moment. Yeah, it was. Um, and then the little button, which this is a scene that is directly juxtaposed to that little girl, you know, meeting Brighton and seeing him as this, you know, cool guy with a leather jacket. Right. So, so then- two things happen. First, <laughs> we get the bizarre news from Fran that Erica is over Brighton because she's, quote, made up with her boyfriend, which I just, just like, this girl is 11. Well, if but she's that was a the, day. But that was the whole, the whole thing when they were having that little tea party. She was so talking weird. to that girl about how uh, uh, she needs to move on from this guy. And then Gracie goes, she can't dump him. He has all her stickers. <laughs> so... <laughs> But I would say this, no, no, there was definitely when I was that age, these very perf- uh, performative little relationships between guys and girls. Like not everyone was doing it, but there was definitely like a couple that, you know, lasted for like three sure. days and then had a yeah, breakup. That's true. That's true. Um, right, it I'll wasn't like, it wasn't actually, um, it, it was all very innocent, I would say. Yeah. Um, and then, and, <laughs> and so, and then Brighton kind of rolls his eyes and then. Maggie's friend Pamela shows up at the house and Brighton, we see now Brighton's fantasy and Maggie's friend is wearing a bikini. <laughs> no, no, no. That's not <laughs> what happened. She's dressed like she's wearing a She's wearing a Baywatch. Um, yeah. Literally that exact orange one piece that is like iconically yeah. Baywatch. And I actually have the note. I don't know how many of our younger viewers get that reference as a Baywatch reference. Sure. Um, it was which Baywatch. was like Pamela Anderson was a big, big chested blonde lady who ran down the beach in a one piece on a TV show that was a, supposedly about lifeguards, Life, but it was really lifeguards. just about like putting hot chicks in 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 bathing suits. I think Baywatch might. I think it might um, be the most watched show internationally of all time. 
Yeah, they made a they made a sequel called Baywatch Nights in which they investigated supernatural occurrences. And it ran for many, many seasons. Um, but so that was, and you know, the fact that her friend friend was named Pamela is a direct like little you know shout out to that. My my note was that poor girl because. You can tell she's not super comfortable, like in the bathing suit while trying to look sexy. Yeah, like, because she's, I, a, you know, a sixteen-year-old girl. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like, oh, but yeah, so, be on the nanny. Oh, in this bikini. Okay. But, yeah. but but here's the thing that here's the thing. The the defense I'll have of this creative choice. Well, I don't think it's you know. It's not fair that this girl had to do that on TV. I do think yes. A an nine-year-old girl's fantasy of a cute boy would be very different from a 12-year-old boy's fantasy of a cute girl. And I think it was accurate. I think, yeah, you know, little eight and nine-year-old girls are not, you know, like picturing the 12-year-old boy like naked, taking off his shirt. But the 12-year-old boy probably why wouldn't she have pictured him like the men in Baywatch who were in like, you know, holding holding like a, like a, like a surfboard or whatever because at that age uh, having been an eight nine-year-old girl myself and this this actually i, I was kind of you were super bloomers, into but, motorcycles no 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 i'll say it, it had nothing to do with anything sexual like you you didn't have that part of yourself yet so it was like mm. imagining the like accoutrement of what was happening like oh he'd be on a motorcycle that's cool or like we'd be you know doing this this activity together it right. truly had nothing to do with like a physical body you you thought they had a cute face and that was probably it um but there was no like there was no libido but for a 12 year old boy it's who, all libido. As, we, as we've already established yeah, it's all libido. that's fair yes well on that note i think it's probably time for segments for segments segments yeah. and now segments so Segments. Yeah, no, I think we should move on to segments. I to say we can move on to our segments. And now segments. Segments uh, with Sean and Toria. What you got um, for me? Favorite, favorite lines. We 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 went over some of them, but one of mine uh, was right up in one of the first scenes. Mister Sheffield comes in excitedly, and he goes, "I've pulled a major coup." <laughs> he's referring to uh, getting this investor to come over, but yes. Fran goes. Fran goes, oh, that'll clear itself up. Just sleep on your side and wear boxer shorts. <laughs> um, that made what me laugh. What did think it was? Something with probably his His dick. groin? <laughs> like, I couldn't understand. I was like, what does coup sound like? I don't know. She just clearly, she clearly uh, didn't didn't know what it meant. And um, but and we actually did go over most of my other favorite lines. Like I uh, like the line where she starts telling him something, and he goes, "What's the moral of this story?" And she goes, "Ugh, everything has to have a moral. What am I, Mother Goose?" Yeah, <laughs> which I thought was a very funny line. Yes, yes, and of course there was the they might look British, but they think Yiddish. Yes, I also liked how hard is it to wait for two trains, a bus, and cut through Central Park at night. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah. And the Shakespeare line, like Shakespeare once said, like the, shan- the sands of time, these are the days of our lives. <laughs> she says it so earnestly. Yes, yes, like no. I mean, I, this was this was an episode where I kind of knew I was doing this, but I couldn't help it. I was I was saying all my favorite lines as we went. Yeah, same. 
same. And, um, and in terms of favorite moment, I did yeah. love that little moment when they were they were helping each other put their coats and winter gear on because th- those are just yeah. very um, they're very natural and very meaningful. Um, I liked all and- the business at the table. I I really liked the her like you know trying to stop him from eating salt and butter and hollandaise sauce on her hands. And it was mm-hmm. silly, but I thought it was, I don't know. I thought it was funny. Yeah. Um, and in terms of nanny trivia, this is, this is less trivia and more just something interesting of note. And Sean, I sent this to you last week, yeah. but um, I have a friend named Jessica who's been binge watching uh, the nanny. And so she'll often send me things she's noticed or, um, you know, her own takes on things. And she actually noticed that in a lot of the exterior shots of the Sheffield (laughs) mansion, there is this very DIY blue tarp around an AC unit in one of the windows. And it's in like almost all of these, of the, of the exterior exterior, shots. And it looks like stock shots. Yeah. Yeah. It's so unclassy. It's like, so it's such an eyesore and it must have just been there the day that they happened to take that b-roll and then they use yeah. that b-roll for like many seasons um and that that made me chuckle like you know oh what a what a funny little thing to like be there for for eternity but, now but also c- kind of classic new york you know like i feel like i mean they clearly shot that on location in new york outside of a, a brownstone sure. and it's like yeah of course like even in the nicest apartment it's new york so there's some messed up tarp hanging out of a building <laughs> yes. you know <laughs> and, and yes and so um you know the i looked it up the actual building it's it's 7 east 75th street Ooh. super super close to the east side of yeah. uh central park it's by incredible i looked it up on google maps i mean this is by so many incredible iconic museums it's you know hey they're i not had kidding. a friend who lived on the east side and for a good year and a half they had scaffolding and like construction in front of their like beautiful apartment. So it doesn't really surprise me, you know, cause it, like that, that shit just goes on sometimes. Yeah, it does. I mean, it has, you got to maintain the, you got to maintain, maintain the infrastructure, but, you maintain it. Uh, but also um, just so people know, even though it was used as um, you know, the Sheffield residence, it's actually not a single family home and it mm. wasn't, back then i'm sure it was at one point that explains the ac unit yes yes so it's like yeah i'm sure it was initially but even by the time they were filming and uh the nanny it was it was apartments um but i say if we go to new york for the nanny musical we have to make a pilgrimage there hell yeah we do Mm -hmm. we have to take pictures in front of it Mm -hmm. um no what if i'm like no no no, we tell no one (laughs) also they made (laughs) they made a couple of digs at sunset boulevard which is an andrew lloyd weber musical and i Mm -hmm. my only trivia is that this show is a time capsule because they were making digs at how the investor lost money on Sunset Boulevard, which ended up being a very successful musical for Andrew Lloyd Webber. And it won like Tony's, I think, and shit. Um, Yeah, like a bunch of them in 1995. But before that, when it first premiered in London, it got like very mixed reviews. And um. So like this must have been written just before all of that when people were like, "Ugh, it's bad." Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. And then and then they obviously like worked out all the kinks and it did very well. Glenn Close starred in it eventually uh, here in, in, on Broadway, um, and it was a, it was a good show. It's actually one of one of one Andrew Lloyd Webber show that I truly enjoy. Um, 
but oh, one I'm of two Andrew Lloyd Webber shows that I I can listen to and not feel pain. What's the other one? Phantom of the Opera. I really like Phantom a lot. Oh, okay, that's fair. Sorry. Yeah, I love Phantom. It's it's very um, catchy. Um, but um, Sunset Boulevard is fantastic. If you've never listened to it, it's fantastic. Listen to the original Broadway cast recording. It's so fun. I think it's like the the most fun. I think it's his most fun musical. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, okay. It's pretty I'll cool. Get to I mean, this. it, it is the movie Sunset Boulevard just with music to it. So, mm-hmm. um, and in terms of the Yiddish, uh, it's a word we've gotten several times before. There was it was schlapped. You know, at one point Fran mm-hmm. goes, "That was one schlepped down the stairs I could have done without." Mm-hmm. Um, but nothing, nothing, you know newer earth shattering there no and then for the friend or the cc i went we're both friends if someone we even knew tangentially died and had two children had three children we'd probably be like i will like take care of you <laughs> yes <laughs> like you like need not worry and then you know someone else would be like no no no, no. we we actually we have many more appropriate people to to take care of you to actually take care of you yeah. we'd be like no no no, no. Mm-hmm. you're safe now i'll do it <laughs> Yeah, no, I think we would we would definitely take that on if we ever had to. Uh, you know, we both we both are. I was going to say we we're both uncles to nieces. We're both um, we're both uncles. It's true. We both have nieces, and I think you know. Um, the- Doug Emerson, by the way, from this episode, uh, our audience, our younger audience, might know him better as Taylor Deuce on Gilmore Girls because he mm. was on that show for many, 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 many episodes. And then he was back for the Netflix show revival that they did. So he he was on that show a lot. Oh, very cool. interesting. So that's where I, that guy comes from. I don't, I never uh, watched Gilmore Girls, so I don't know who Taylor Deuce is, but Taylor Deuce. Taylor Deuce. <laughs> All right. Um, and, yeah. Well, so thank you everybody for listening. This was another fantastic episode of the Nanny. Um, shout out to the. The audience, the 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 audience that we have apparently um, in Seattle, we have like a huge <gasps> listenership in Seattle. So, what up, Seattle? Hi, guys. We gotta yeah. come visit. Come visit. Oh no, no, we should go I visit. said we should. We oh, should visit. No, you guys should come here. <laughs> I don't like to travel. <laughs> well, I've never been to Seattle. Well, I've been to the airport. Um, so if you are from Seattle and you love the show, l- let us know. Go to uh, <gasps> Apple Podcasts. And leave a review, a five-star review, and tell people how much you like the show. That helps other people find us. And we can all be consolidated under one roof. Or find us online at oh Mr. Chef Pod. That's with two Fs. Oh Mr. Chef Pod on Twitter and on Instagram. And listen, be excellent to each other. All right. That's not that's not his line, younger viewers. Don't think it is. <laughs> Just it is. don't be fooled. Be excellent to each other. I am Sean Dubasquale. Party on. We'll party on. Uh, uh, <laughs> Party on, Toria. We'll see you uh, next time on Omas with Chef. Swing! <laughs> Bye. Goodbye. The flashing girl from Flushing. The nanny named Fran. Oh, Mr. Sheffield. Uh, Miss Fine. <laughs> <laughs>